Hello and welcome to the AV Forum's Hi-Fi podcast for Monday the 5th of February. Hi-Fi podcast. Yes, it's something new, something that we're doing this year. And of course, with it being the Hi-Fi podcast, we've got our Hi-Fi editor, Ed Selly. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, Ed. Yeah, morning, afternoon, evening, Phil. Hope all's well. Yeah, very good. Um, looking forward to, to doing this again and being um, a little bit organised in what we're doing. And of course, uh, we also have our news reporter, Ian Collin. Ian, good evening, Hello. good afternoon, good morning. How are we all doing? Yes, very Delirious, good. Uh, lots of pressure washing going on there, Ian. It never ends. It never yeah. ends. Power washing cycle is eternal. <laughs> uh, so this week we have an overview of trends uh, that we saw last year in Hi-Fi. And we're asking, will we see those continue into the new year? Or are we in store for some new tech in 2024? Can we call it Hi-Fi anymore? Is there a crossover completely now? And um, we're going to discuss all of that. We're also going to discuss what we're doing editorially with Hi-Fi this year, so our reviews, videos, all that kind of thing. And of course, what you can expect from this new podcast schedule uh, going into 2024, because we're no longer doing the live stream. Uh, but if you do have your questions, and we do encourage it, we want you to get involved. Uh, we do these podcasts for you, uh, the listener, AB Forums member, and of course, wider public out there watching us on YouTube and so on. If you have comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, podcast at avforums.com on the email. Or the easier way is to head to the thread on AV Forums. You'll find that on the thread list right down the bottom of the, uh, the forum list is the podcast forum. Go in there, find this podcast and ask your question in there. And our producer, Andy, it's just Andy, but we put the producer bit at the start just to, yeah, because that's what he does. He'll delve in there. You'll find those comments and questions and then we'll cover them in the next podcast. Um, so, yeah, if you are watching the YouTube version or you want to watch a YouTube version, you also have to uh, remember that this is not on the main channel anymore. So this is not on the AV Forums channel. You need to subscribe to the AV Forums podcast channel. Um, nice and easy to find in the search. Go and subscribe there and make sure you don't miss any editions of the podcast. And there's going to be plenty of them this year with a podcast available on every Monday from 7pm on YouTube and then a little bit later uh, on your podcast provider for the audio-only version. Um, and throughout the month, we're going to do different categories. So this is the Hi-Fi podcast. The next one will be TV podcast next week. So that's TV displays, calibration, all that kind of thing. Uh, home AV, so we're talking home cinema, media rooms, uh, speaker systems, Dolby Atmos, all that kind of thing, as well as projectors and large screens and all that uh, we'll find in the home AV podcast. And then we have our two movies editions. Uh, so you have your movies and streaming and the 4K disc and physical media editions uh, of the podcast. Uh, so we've got a, a very feature-packed month on most months, but those months where we have five Mondays, and we do realise there are God month where there is an extra day. Uh, so that's April, July, September and December. We're going to bring you a gaming podcast with Ian hosting. So we're looking forward to that. Um, uh, lots of power simulation <laughs> talk and so on. Um, that's all coming up on those podcasts. So you've got a full year to look forward to. And of course, because uh, we're doing these uh, recorded and we're planning out for the year, um, you can jump amongst them. You don't have to wait for the next podcast. You can go back and listen to things because it's not time sensitive or anything like that. We're talking about things that you guys want to know about. And we are the largest avian hi-fi, or one of the largest hi-fi, maybe not the, the largest, but one of the largest uh, avian hi-fi communities on the internet. We've been around a long time. AV Forums was 
founded back in 2000. We started our editorial in 2003, so over 20 years ago. Uh, nearly 500,000 members on AV forums as well. And of course, our editorial covers everything from TV, hi-fi, home AV, gaming, movies, and physical media. So we cover a wide gamut of subject matter there as well. Um, and the main thing and the important thing is that we create this content for you, the end user. We don't create it for manufacturers or advertisers or anything like that. We are here at the end of the day to try and give you some honest, unbiased and experienced opinions and knowledge and some really bad humour uh, and bad dress sense. That's what we're here for. That's what we I've do. Got nothing else. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe you don't know who we are and, and why we're here and so on. You might be new to the podcast. So who are we? Well, very briefly, I'm Phil Hinton. I'm the editor of the site. I've been for over 20 years. Uh, I helped build the editorial right from the start uh, with the forum founder, Stuart, uh, and so on. And it is what it is today. Um, but first and foremost, I'm an enthusiast. Um, you know, I've loved this hobby for a very, very long time, like the other guys on the podcast here. Um, I'm also, without blowing my own trumpet, experienced uh, TV and AV reviewer, display calibrator. I've been trained and certified by the PVA, ISF and THX. Um, and I also produce a lot of the videos and star in a lot of the videos that you see on our YouTube uh, channel. Although Ed is going to be picking up the camera this year, so look forward yeah. to Ed joining the Stand team. Stand by that. And some other faces as well. So Ed, why don't you tell us or tell the new uh, listeners and viewers all about yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, um, I'm Ed Selly. Uh, like Troy McClure, you may remember me from pretty much any publication that's prepared to pay money. Um, I... Um, the hi-fi editor for AV forums, but unlike Phil, I am self-employed. I will uh, continue to produce work for a variety of locations, um, but I have been a member of AV forums for over 20 years now, which is terrifying in itself. And I have been part of the ed editorial team for, it'll be 12 years in April, mm. um, yep. which in itself is quite extraordinary as well. Um, I now only do two-channel audio, uh, be it sometimes portable, sometimes full size, but I don't do multi-channel. I have tested multi-channel for AV forums in the past. I am conversant with multi-channel. However, I am um, an enthusiast of two-channel. I believe that's where my um, strengths lie. Uh, we have talented AV reviewers for that reason, and I leave them to their, to their own devices. Every once in a great while, and I suspect much less going forward than ever was before, I will step in to do off-site AV content, but uh, for the most part, we now have people on board to do that for me and probably do a better job of it. Um, I produce, um, as Phil says, uh, a large quantity of written reviews. We will, with some trepidation, um, we will be moving into some video content as well. Um, uh, bear with us on that one. And um, yes, uh, I effectively produce, if you like, the bulk of two-channel content, but we have other two-channel reviewers who uh, step in to cover products uh, when we need excess capacity, and also there are certain products where, um, for professional reasons, going back to what Phil says about impartiality, I am uncomfortable covering, because as I say, I am a freelancer, I do a variety of other things behind the scenes. So across the people who do the work, we can cover the things that we think are important to, for you to read about, um, but it's not exclusively done by me. So that's who I am. Um, yeah, thank and, you very much uh, for that, yeah. and, and Ian? Um, gaming background, Ian, but obviously you're our news writer as well, so tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, my name is Ian Collin. Um, uh, in terms of professional experience, uh, trained as a journalist, uh, moved into magazines because uh, I thought that would be a bit more fun uh, uh, around the turn of the century. Started off doing PC mags, 
it was relevant. I, I spent uh, a couple of years working on Essential Home Cinema, for anybody who's been around long enough to remember that magazine from <laughs> back in the day, as the saying goes. Um, but then, yeah, after that, I moved into gaming. Uh, so gaming was a big thing, probably been about 20 years, both as an enthusiast and working on a number of games magazines, XBM, uh, 360 Gamer that became One Gamer that became Gamer that became Game Interactive. There was, there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, that, that's where I am now. So the gaming's still a big thing for me, you know, both personally and professionally, which is why I, I used to do uh, a lot of game reviews for the site, for the AV Forums website. But now, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately, I am doing a lot of the news content as well. And that doesn't allow me to do spend 50 hours a week playing video games. Well, I might still squeeze in a good, but not not in the nine to five yeah it needs to be yeah. in my own time so yeah as of now i'm uh producing obviously a lot of the news content for AV forums as well as doing what i can uh in terms of gaming but unfortunately i have to freelance out some of the good stuff because i just don't have the time to put in the hours these days ian is also the undisputed master of the amusing stand first so the second line that you see in the review or the news story they're all of his and they're all always better than mine and yeah. i'm always slightly annoyed about yeah. it so <laughs> I, just, don't, I don't know where he gets, he gets you wouldn't believe the restraint i had to do a piece on the the climax solo <laughs> the restraint that was needed not to yeah we don't need to go there yeah, that was, we, yeah. we can we can all create our, our own i i, I, I played it very safe for that one no you did very commendable <laughs> heroic restraint yeah excellent so that's who we are and like i say um lots of, of experience uh, amongst the team um we're all enthusiastic at the end of the day we're all enthusiastic about the subject and our goal here is to entertain you and also give you uh, the facts and inform you and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy the podcast. If you have any uh, questions at all, if you want to do get involved in any way, and we do encourage it, we encourage you guys to get involved, um, then obviously we are a large community of like-minded people. Get your questions in, uh, like I say, on the podcast uh, forum thread, ask away, um, or you can do it on email, podcastavforums.com. Or of course, if you're watching on YouTube, on the AV Forums podcast channel remember to subscribe but you can also comment below and leave your questions we look at all the platforms and we'll collate them and then answer those in future podcasts right ian uh current competitions that are running within the hi-fi section yeah i should quickly check first is it pronounced tia or teak 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 okay so first up as you might have guessed you can win a teak uh ai 303 integrated amplifier which is worth 799 pounds um well worth entering and you can also win the ultimate streaming system worth £2,400 from Roxanne and Monitor Audio. Yeah, that's a banger. That's well worth entering. Mm. Um, yeah. Both so. of them both of them, excellent competitions, yeah. 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 Um, uh, and if you want proof that there are winners for this, um, we've got a, a bunch of them already listed as well. Um, previous winners include uh, LT, who won an Anthem MRX 540 receiver worth over £1,500. Corbin won the Bowers & Wilkins 705 S3. Yeah, and the Audio Quest Rocket 22 worth over £3,000. That's one very lucky yep. winner indeed. Well done, Corbin. Uh, elsewhere, James Samage won a pair of Aston and Kern UW100 Mark II True Wireless Earphones from AV.com. So thanks to AV.com for the prize. Um, CJ Brooker has also won a Humax A1 4K Ultra HD streaming box uh, and three Humax Wi-Fi smart, smart Plugs bundle. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to all of those winners. Excellent prizes. Well done, everybody. Um, and we've got some new parents, uh, mm -hmm. Ian. Yeah, uh, they don't seem to be in any order of preference or speciality. Um, we have Jordan Holland, David Dean, just David, uh, John Gottwalt, Ben Ackerman, Saab Unleashed, 
I'm hoping that's a car as well as a person. A Nick, uh, Arjun Birdie, and uh, Sean McGreevy. So welcome yeah, well, aboard welcome, to all of those. Welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for your support. Really is appreciated. And of course, you also have the opportunity to buy us a coffee. Um, so who's done that? Uh, yeah, we have four coffees coming our way. So thanks to Jimenez, someone, that's the name they've listed. That's yes. just me winging it. It's someone called someone. Uh, Deads with a Z and Neil007. So thank you, Mr. Bond. We were expecting. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your support, guys. Um, keep it coming in. And uh, I guess it's time for us to get on with the show. So um, where are we in terms of hi-fi? That's the question we're asking on the, the first podcast of the year, the first hi-fi podcast of the year. So I guess what we need to do, Ed, is look at where we're coming from. Um, the, the 2020s have been very interesting for a number of reasons. Um, mm. We had we had the issues uh, at yes. the beginning of this decade, which kind of forced a lot of hands and perhaps moved product cycles and the way people use the equipment and and sources and so on a little bit differently because it was we kind of had lockdown forced on us. Yes, um, I think in in at least it's going to take another decade before we can start writing about the unintended effects of sticking everyone in their houses for periods of time sociologically and, and and then just just in this tiny category but yeah you said earlier it categorizing what is hi-fi in 2024 is um pretty difficult but in 2023 um hi-fi really kicked on in um doing something which i'm sure that the uh, av podcast is delighted about which is taking big chunks out of av um Effectively, um, when I started doing this, the idea of your hi-fi system talking to your television was, well, I mean, people did it, but it didn't happen very often. And it was sort no. of, you know, seen as a bit niche. Um, these days, absolutely the complete opposite of that. Um, and obviously products have had optical inputs on for donkey's years, and most televisions still have optical outputs, and that works just fine in a performative sense. But the real kick on has been HDMI arc. Um, uh, I need to stress it doesn't make any significant difference in performance terms for a two-channel product. It's basically the same signal. But in terms of syncing up and working and being something that happens rather than something you physically have to select. So other less committed members of your household will actually use it rather than sort of looking at you in a funny way. Mm. Um, this is all where HDMI arc scores. And um, if you wanted to get a, a sense of just how widespread we're talking about HDMI arc um, inclusion being... Uh, there's a review up on the site at the time we we're reviewing. That's the Wim Amp. That's £300. There's another product with HDMI Arc in the tank ready to go, uh, which is uh, the Tangent uh, Amster TV 2. Uh, and that's uh, £200 with HDMI Arc. Then at the other end of it, um, uh, for other purposes, I've got a streamer in at the moment, which is £13,000. It also has HDMI Arc on the back of it. Um, at every meaningful price point, TV integration and assuming the roles of AV is absolutely baked into a number of manufacturer strategies now. Um, and it's buying uh, customers at the expense of multi-channel. Uh, I make no bones about that. Um, it's it's and, quite a funny cycle, isn't it, Ed? When you look yeah. at it, because a, a lot of us who got into this hobby now, I don't want to talk for everybody because you know that's not my role. But certainly, a lot of us, and talking about myself as well, is that when Nikon Stereo came along in terms of VCRs, mm. the first thing we did was hook up 
our VCRs to our hi-fi system yes. that we have. We only ever had two channel hype. That's how I got hooked. That's how I got into home cinema and so on, because the, the natural progression from there was a ProLogic amplifier and then a laser disc player and then a bigger TV and then multi-channel sound and then it's progressed all the way up. But what you're we're now seeing is people starting to revert back to the two-channel system. And it's something we're going to come on to when we talk about where we see things going yeah. this year. But HDMI, ARC or EARC has definitely helped. And for those who are maybe not familiar with, with uh, ARC and EARC, basically it's a two-way communication system between uh, two products that are suitably fitted with, with ARC connectors. That's usually a TV and an amplifier or a soundbar or um, uh, powered speakers, that kind of thing. Um, that's used, And it's usually a plug-and-play. Um, it's not always plug and play because we're talking about HDMI and we're talking mm. about technology. But just to, in in the most simple of terms, you plug one into one product, one end into another product. They communicate. You can usually use the same remote control and volume controls, and there's a few other bits and pieces that I'll do. Um, but it's basically a control system between two two products. And when you're talking about a trend at the minute where people are downsizing and coming back and rediscovering two channel, and there is so much crossover. It's one of the big drivers, as you said, really is. No, absolutely. And um, it, as I say, it it just removes um, a level of conscious integration for the household in terms of how it's done. So sonically, we're not talking about any significant difference, but in terms of it being used day to day, it's enormous. Um, and as I say, it's, um, it's, it's happening now at every price point. It, for the most part, um, when this started, there were some you know, honourable exceptions to this, but for the most part, it was something that was fitted to affordable product to differentiate it from other affordable product. It's got sufficient clout and perceived necessity now that it's cropping up at price points where we wouldn't have seen it. Um, even a couple of years ago, so it's a big deal, um, and uh, I, you know, based on the stuff that's actually being reviewed in January for February, it's not showing any signs of slowing down. So, what were the the other big trends last year that, that you think are worth mentioning here? Uh, yes, hold on, bring me uh, thing back. Now, this is um, more of a concern. This is less positive, um, although it's less positive, I suppose, for a positive reason. Um, it can't have escaped anyone's notice that modern affordable hi-fi is astonishingly good. Um, uh, the WEM amplifier, that's on the front page at the moment, £300. It does streaming as well. It's got HMI arc, it's got an extra input, it's made out of metal. Um, it sounds more than reasonable and it's 300 quid. Um, and with digital items especially, you've got extraordinarily proficient bits of kit that cost not a lot of money. To make things that are meaningfully better and there are multiple different descriptors of better, and we're going to cover that over the year, um, it ends up being a lot more expensive. Um, so, I, you know, as a sneak preview, a number of times this, in this coming year, you're going to have a month's worth of review products where some of them cost comfortably less than £1,000, and others cost getting on for 10 because the middle bit, £1,500 to six k in particular, is under tremendous squeeze. Because to justify its existence, it has to be better than the affordable stuff, and not it doesn't necessarily have enough money to do that. And that might sound ridiculous, but that is where we are. Mm -hmm. So we've got, it sounds like a speaker problem, we've got mid-range suck out. Um, and we are going to devote a whole podcast to this, because we've had some fantastic... And I do mean that in all senses of the word comments on certain reviews, because 
I think the perception of what things should cost is somewhere adrift of what things actually cost. And we will deal with this and we will be able to do it in a pre-recorded and probably yeah. mature fashion. Yeah. I, so, I can't wait for Ian's byline on, on that one. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. Absolutely. That's that's a big tr that's a trend that we've started seeing in the last two years, and I don't think anything's going to change about that this year. And one of the reasons for that leads me segues me effortlessly on to my next um, thing that started happening last year, and this is perfectly replicated in the television market. Phil, challenger brands. Yeah, we've got companies turning up who have a back history that you could write on the back of a stamp, and they know this, and because of that, they are trying an awful lot harder so um you've got high sense and tcl and i'm not suggesting that high sense has no history they've been doing this for some time but they're still and, not and one of the big boys T tcl and tcl uh, number two in the world people don't yeah. people don't realize this that tcl is just an off offshoot of a major company that is number two in the world when it comes to making tvs yeah um so we've got you've got them uh this last year we saw uh ever solo and whim make mm. Are their AV forums debut, even if it wasn't necessarily the point where they were launched. Both are digital products that just do more at price points that more conventional, more long-standing brands haven't got an answer to at the moment. Um, it's uh, disruptive, deliberately disruptive. Wim's strategy in the market is deliberately and publicly disruptive. Um, and it... Um, sort of uh, essentially places a considerable amount of strain on existing contenders, but it's good for the consumer. It then also means in turn that um, if you're a mature brand and you're particularly good at one thing, you double down on that. You stop experimenting in categories where you might be eaten alive by a new contender. You go back to where your perceived strengths are. Um, now that in turn leads on to the next point, um, which is vinyl, uh, which is still there. It's still distorting the market. It's still doing strange things to how products are designed. And again, we'll talk about this, mm. but it's a mature category. I do feel confident saying that for the first time. I'm look looking at growth figures, so on and so forth, for various reasons, some of which are wholly self-inflicted. I don't believe there's that much more growth to do um, in terms of sale of media or the equipment, which means it's a mature category, which means that you want to try and progress people who might have an affordable turntable up the food chain and so on and so forth, and only expect a smaller number of people to come in at the bottom. It's a mature category. Uh, we saw fewer new brands get involved in it last year. I think that's going to be even more pronounced this year, and it's going to belong to legacy brands, most of whom were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> Um, and yeah. that's it's so different from the other engineering required in audio. That's not a huge surprise, but um, yeah, it the it's no longer a gold rush. It's like we had it with headphones. Actually, when I got into reviewing preview forms, we the world and his wife was releasing headphones, and most of those companies that piled in enthusiastically have since piled back out enthusiastically. I'd say Focal and Bowers and Wilkins are the main arrivals from that time period. Almost everyone else has quit. Um, and I suspect that it's now time to see much the same thing with turntables. And that's not just at the entry level. There are some very expensive debut turntables doing the rounds that will see out their natural life and then probably won't be replaced. So we saw that starting to happen and it's going to keep happening. With vinyl, I, I really didn't expect it to still be around the way it is come mm. 2023, 2024. I thought it was uh, a retro craze um, that was going to, you know, 
burn brightly and then disappear very quickly again. Um, yeah. That hasn't been the case. It it's stuck around this time, and it surprises me. I walk into HMV whenever I'm in the metro centre or I'm near, you know, somewhere I can physically walk in and, and view this stuff. And I look at the prices and I think, who is buying this? But obviously, well, people you, you are buying both, it. Yeah. yeah, obviously, people. It, there's obviously a market there. Mm. Um, um, there is, and I went to a record fair. Um, you know, yes, because that's the sort of action pack weekend that I go in for. Um, I was staggered at how many people there were younger than me. I mean, I know yeah. I'm not young anymore, but nevertheless, it's still an extra. I mean, when you compare it to hi-fi shows, it's, mm. it's quite the difference. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I the number of people willing to buy £40 records to play on a £70 player that ruins them. Yeah. You, we've reached a, fine, that, a finite that, end. That's ending the bit that, that I don't understand. I, yeah. really don't so, understand. I mean, from a, from a novice's point of view, I mean, you talk about the the legacy brands and the, who's good and who's not. I mean, who who are the names of those, you know, young cool kids should be trusting that maybe they wouldn't have heard of because they've been around for thirty years before they were born. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've written certain... news stories about a few, and I'm guessing that. But... Well, there's it's fair. There's a fair question. Um, I think uh, one brand. Um, without necessarily trying, has carved back out a reputation for wider market awareness, which is Technics, uh, yeah. because of the level of penetration they had before. I don't think they've done anything spectacular in marketing terms with the new turntables, but they have kept the aware kept the awareness. They look like the ones that came before. They're still built in a way that you could beat someone to death with them without causing them any material I, I think what, what helps Technics is they become a bit of a cultural icon. Mm. The whole dance craze, the whole, uh, you know, deep house and all that kind of thing. And uh, the UK was a big driver for that. And one of the big things that was behind that was Technics turntables. They were used in a professional capacity. People had them on their T-shirts. It became a bit of a fashion item to have Technics baseball caps and that kind of thing and smiley faces on T-shirts and yeah. all that. that they really helps. benefited from that. Yes. They really did. And it Absolutely. surprised me that they then pulled out the market at that point. Oh, well, no, it, whoever did that, I mean, that's that's not signing the Beatles because you had enough guitar acts, isn't it? Um, yeah. But nevertheless, they have recovered from that. And yeah. then in terms of a how to do it, everyone should look at Riga because Riga is still not an enormous company, but their penetration and people's awareness of them as an affordable turntable manufacturer is phenomenal. And this is from a company that doesn't really advertise. It 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 does because it does very it does it's very very active in its own social media spaces and it constantly makes you aware of its existence and it does things like sponsor record store day and um they've put competition prices up for us in the past and so on and so forth but they don't stick adverts in newspapers and magazines and stuff they just make you constantly aware that they've been making record players for 50 years they still sell record players at what in 2024 constitutes an entry-level price and um, people are all, all over it. It's it's brilliantly done. Um, I'd argue they're better at it than their arch rival project. Um, project has more engineering clout, if you like. But nevertheless, Riga's brilliant at it. And um, so then that takes us to project. And then further up the pecking order, there have been manufacturers who have been calmly and carefully making turntables for anything between 20 and 70 years. And um, they are going to continue doing it. Thank you very much. And if and when you make it up to the, the price points where they operate, they'll be only too happy to take you through it. But they're not going to necessarily make enormous efforts to try and get new uh, get entry-level customers through the door. So vinyl is... We'll still be looking at turntables for every forums. I'd quit if you stopped me. But um, I, I have to be more sanguine about the ones that we are looking at and why we're looking at it. We've got two turntables being reviewed this month, which sounds a bit 
counterintuitive in light of what I've just said. But when you see one of the turntables that's being reviewed, you'll understand why it doesn't necessarily count as normal. So that's that's what's going on there. So those are the big trends that we saw. I'm going to do predictions in just a moment. But, you know, 2023 anchored and cemented a number of things that have been happening. It's that certain things have just started to accelerate. Um, so across every price point, your audio system is more likely to talk to your television. It's more likely to be either very affordable or fairly unaffordable. Um, and if it has a turntable, it's going to be from a manufacturer that was probably doing it before vinyl got cool again. So think, that's um, what we saw. I think the thing we've seen again since since uh, this decade started is um, the old stereotype of hi-fi and hi-fi enthusiast has well and truly disappeared. You know, mm. the old smoking jacket, pair of slippers, the pipe, sit down and, you know, get the turntable up and running. That That's all, that's that's a figment of the past now, if it ever was a, a, a true statement of a hi-fi enthusiast. It, it used yeah. to be an old man's game. Um, I mean, it's still not, I need to stress, it. We, we could still do with relaxing the demographic slightly. But yes, <laughs> there is, I'm delighted um, in some of the professional capacities that I work, that I interact with people who are encouragingly young. I think that they'll outlive me. Let's put it like that. So, mm. um, you know, that's, that's, we are making progress. And I, I think there's a number of different dynamics to thank for that. But yeah, um, it, it, it is looking up. If you like, we, High uh, 2 Channel had its flirting with extinction moment um, about, I suppose, 15 maybe 20 years ago affordable affordable two channel had no easy justification for its existence against affordable av and it's gone and created one it's come back from that bring in some ways it's time for av to start making a credible case for justifying its existence exactly. so it's interesting yeah. how these things reverse and how everything yeah. is cyclical but no it, I, i'm more positive about two channel continuing to exist than I have been in a very long time. I, what I'm less confident about is predicting exactly in what shape or form it continues to exist. Right, well, let's get on to these predictions then, because this is something, because this was recorded, and these yeah. podcasts stay around as long as we keep putting 50 pence in the server meter, um, you'll always be able to come back to this. So, Ed, mm, yeah. give us your predictions for the year, and we'll come back in December and laugh at you. And point yeah, I mean, I, I, I stand to be proved completely and utterly wrong on this but we'll see how we go the first one i don't think is in any way contentious at all my prediction is we're already seeing um an uptick in powered and active speakers and we have been I, I laugh at two this. years i do laugh at this because i started a long time ago with this yeah this oh no you were well ahead of the power curve on this and, one. Saying, and, and, and on, people, people thought you were demented yeah they did <laughs> I, I i changed the av forums review system to active speakers and people were like what are you playing at you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But, you know, it it, it makes sense when, mm. from an engineering point of view, but also a performance point of view. If you're designing the amplification to work with the woofers, to work within the, the, the carbonate design that you've put forward, and they all work in harmony, um, that's much better than trying to find an amplifier to then match to your speakers, the, yeah. the speakers then have. It's just a simplified way of doing it where you get some huge benefits. And I have a pair of Genelex connected to this uh, laptop, and and it's I've had them for twenty years, and yeah. they still sound as good as the day that I first switched them on. Yeah, um, and the, the little active powered um, near field monitors, they're amazing, absolutely yes. amazing speakers, so detailed and so on. And and it's it's funny, it's amusing to me 
to see this sort of come back around and actually be on a, a really nice big area of the market because it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's, and I think what's important to stress as part of this prediction, I'll be more specific. Uh, we're going to see no shortage of smart wireless speakers. There's a pair on test here at the moment. There'll be more. There'll always be more. But we're going to see more conventional, if you like, traditional active speakers, which present an XLR or an RCA connection to the world. And they, they have amplifiers and a powered crossover on board, but no inputs other than that, no processing, so on and so forth. Um, this is because... It's 2024, and so many different things are preamps that they don't need to go to that effort. I mean, we're talking about disruptive technology. The Eversolo DMPA8, we tested it late last year. It didn't actually do the same numbers as the A6, but I think we were just slightly slower to the punch on it. Um, but nevertheless, it's a streamer with a fully analog preamp on board. You can run a turntable through it, and it sounds exactly like a turntable. It sounds exa there's no processing, there's no A to D conversion, and it's a sensationally good preamp. Um, so if you're a manufacturer and you're thinking, I don't know how to do HDMI arc, and I don't know how to do something, you don't need to. You just need to make sure that you get your amplification correct. It's, as Phil says, make it to the drivers, make sure the crossover is, is as it should be. And someone else will do the heavy lifting in terms of how you get inputs to it and adjust the game is the, is the basic point mm -hmm. on this. And I think a number of companies have cottoned onto this and we're going to see quite a few of them. So that's my first and least contentious um prediction my so like next... to, sorry i was just going to add to that i mean this is a quick question about yeah whether that's kind of seen as more you know whether there's like a divide between the traditionalist you know people who like the separates uh and whether the, you know the like of the active solutions kind of is more of a increasing trend because maybe the younger audience is more up to like the smart home adaptability and they like everything to be simple one box solution to keep it easy is there likely to be kind of two sides of the coin so to speak well, yes and no. I certainly think that um, newer arrivals to Hi-Fi are far more relaxed about the shape and roles and responsibilities that each box should undertake. They're much, much calmer about it, and that makes it it makes active speakers an easier sell. Um, the other thing is, um, if you are an absolute tweaker, and I don't mean this in a in a heroin abuse sense, I mean that you can't leave anything alone. Um, you know, you, you know, you're selecting the amplifier that you like the best to go with the speakers you like the best. And active speakers remove this element of choice. But as Phil says, it removes this element of choice by pre presenting you with an optimized pair. So for some people, it's always been the way forward. ATC, for example, has been selling active speakers very, very happily for yeah. a very long time and has a fanatical following. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, people aren't, a number of people have, have, have been adherents to this for, for was longer than I've been alive. But I think there's, as you say, Ian, it's easier to convince people who are coming at this from a different from a different perspective to classic starter hi-fi to, to get on board with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are practicality issues that people don't necessarily come to terms with until they unpack them in their rooms. You need a main socket going to each speaker location that you have, yeah. um, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do in certain circumstances. And if you've got the powered active wireless speakers, if you want to get HDMI arc to it and you want to dress that cable, yeah, you think about that before it gets in there because it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. You are sold this picture of these boxes sat in glorious isolation with nothing around them and back in the grimy, tedious reality in which we inhabit. It's not as simple as that. But nevertheless, the appeal of it, the elegance of it, and the engineering arguments for it mean that we are going to see a lot more of it. I yeah. don't and, doubt that. And we're going to see a lot more crossover 
as well. A lot more crossover. And one product that stood out for me at, at CES this year was the Canvas Hi-Fi speaker. Yes. Now, this is the, this is the crossover between the soundbar and a hi-fi system in your living room. Um, the way that, and this is another startup. There's actually no history to this company. Um, yeah. The CEO has has a long line of history building loudspeakers and so on, but it's a brand new startup company. But the solution is very very interesting, and it takes the best of both, mixes it together, adds some interesting processing from uh, back 3D in there, um, in terms of cancellation effects and so on into each year. And the performance, I'm waiting on the review sample turning up. Hopefully it will turn up. But mm. certainly just from a demonstration in a hotel suite, I was blown away. I thought, wow, this is really, really good. Yeah. It's expensive. It's not for everybody. And I guess this is something else we'll, we'll cover as, as the weeks and months go on, Ed, is that you know there is no such thing as a perfect product, a perfect no. TV, a perfect hi-fi. It's what, what is perfect for you at the end of the day. But... You know, at three and a half thousand, it's a lot of money, but it's also a design statement in your living room. It's really well built. It, it has all the processing, and it's that crossover product that has maybe been coming, threatening to to be coming for a while now. Where you take the sound bar and instead of it being crushed, you open it up a bit, widen it out a bit, put some really nice drivers in there, put some nice technology in there, HDMI, ERC connector. It'll run your streaming services like Tidal and Cobas and so on at full res. What else do you need, really? It's mm. it's a really good product and a, a nice little crossover segment. And it leads actually perfectly onto the next prediction, which I don't believe is contentious either, that we're going to see another challenger brand. I don't know the segment. I don't know the brand. If I knew the brand, I'd be busy trying to buy into it because uh, I could do with an extra line of income, if I'm honest. But um, <laughs> we're going to see someone else shake up a category in a way that that I would argue that Eversodo and Wim did brilliantly last year with their respective products. And I, it'll come out of the clear blue sky and surprise us all. But there will be one of them, undoubtedly. What's right for, for disruption? What would be well, a good market to be disrupted? Um, this is a, that's a bloody good question. Um, I'm inclined to say that um, it's possible. The, the two categories that stand out um as being ripe for it uh i think true wireless earphone manufacturers have grow grown pretty complacent in what they're doing there's scope to do more with true wireless earphones uh, or there's scope to get premium features down to a seriously bargain basement price and that's sort of been done a couple of times but with 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 varying degrees of compromise someone might the, actually move the compromise there may be a question as to what you mean by uh, truly wireless uh, no that's fair that. that i mean the complete antithesis of what i'm wearing on this podcast i mean uh, ones that sit in a recharging case and when once they are in your ears they have no link either to the device transmitting or to each other because there's tethered wireless as well where you have a yoke behind your head very useful for exercise and so on and so forth uh, and then obviously wired earphones like I'm using at the moment, which are physically wired to my microphone. So it doesn't matter what happens in this podcast. Uh, my audio is probably likely to keep working. Uh, I'm a big fan of wires for that reason. So true wireless earphones, I mean, AirPods set the stage um, and various manufacturers have produced excellent products. Um, I just think it's locked in a cycle of comfort uh, and by comfort, I mean comfort for the manufacturers. No one's disrupted it in quite a while. Um, and then I also suspect that for different reasons, um, it's probably time that 
people had a better look again at all-in-ones just the the just add speaker all-in-one again has settled into a comforting rut of things that do certain things cost x amount and things that do without those features cost y amount and so on and so forth someone's going to blitz into that and deliver lots and lots of functionality at a, a much much lower price i mean the, if you like the wimamp is a it might be a portent of that because that's an all-in-one system in all but name and it's 300 pounds but there's more to come from that i suspect so both of those categories off the top of my head would be where it is so you can rest assured that it almost certainly won't be either of those um and then my last prediction this is the most contentious um uh, we're going to do not so much in podcast stuff we're going to do a bit more actual coverage work and uh, editorial work on music streaming services this year quite a lot yeah. has changed since we last looked at them um i think we're going to lose one in the next calendar year um for various reasons um legal ones and in some way some tiny way i don't want to um uh in any way prejudice the result on this i think we're going to lose a music streaming service we are overpopulated and we have two streaming services owned and operated by companies that can't go bust so that creates significant stress on those that don't have that luxury so i think unfortunately we're going to lose one um i'd be happy to be proved wrong on this Cho uh, choice is good and there are compelling reasons for almost all of the streaming services on available in the uk at the moment but i'm just looking at the numbers i'm looking at the squeeze on um people's finances and so on and so forth i think that yeah we, we might we might be down one that we have at the moment so those are my predictions they okay. are being recorded on the 1st of february 2024 and we'll revisit them with some hilarity in december and see where i was i don't think you'll be too far away Ed. i think uh there's some pretty solid predictions in there that i think um just looking at where, we, where we've been where we're going uh, I think you're buying the money. I think the only one that may or may not happen is a streaming service. Mm. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think um, if if something was going to happen there, and I agree with you with the Challenger brand, um, just looking at how busy things were at CES and how many startups were with some really interesting takes. And this is what it is. It's um, and and I'm glad you, you you touched on it a bit earlier when you know we were talking about who you work with in the industry as well and and how you're seeing. Um, you know, new generations coming in yeah. with new ideas and with new use cases um, and probably use cases that we don't even consider. And and this is where you could see a whole new, a whole new category um, coming yes. up or, or starting or whatever. I, I agree with you on that one. I think uh, it's, it's ripe for that to happen at the minute. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So those, that's me. Um, okay. Now uh, this is, uh, this is more of a, an interactive between you and I. Um, this section, isn't it? Because I'm going to talk about what my goals are as the Hi-Fi editor for 2024. Yeah. And it feeds into a wider pattern of ambition for AV4, which was 2024. So before we go into editorial, obviously Ed's given his predictions of where he thinks things are going to go Hi-Fi-wise. But of course, we're a massive community. Mm -hmm. We've got lots of you out there. You've all got your opinions. You all look at the market in slightly different ways. You all use your equipment slightly differently to, to how other people may or may not. And you might have your ideas and where you think things are going to go in the next 12 months. So tell us about it. Give us your comments. If you're watching on YouTube, on the AV Forums podcast channel, remember to subscribe and then ask your questions down below or give us your points of view or where you think things are going. And of course, you can head over to avforums.com. Um, lots of forums over there, lots of high fi forums for you to get involved with as well. But if you head to the podcast forum and this podcast, 
find the thread, put your question or your point of view in there, and we'll certainly come back to them on the next podcast. Like I say, we are looking, we are reading. Um, we want you guys to get more involved with this. Uh, we're making it for you guys at the end of this. So yeah, get your comments and so on in. Right, let's talk editorial then for the year ahead, Ed. Um, so if people don't understand if, uh, how AV Forms works in terms of our reviews and so on, Ed has seven slots every yes. month. Um, so I ask Ed to produce seven reviews for AV Forums every calendar month. Now that does raise a few issues. Maybe you want to talk about the issues and how you deal with that, because at the end of the day, I don't tell you what to review. No. I say, Ed, give me give me seven reviews that you think our audience want to know about. No, every now and again, Phil will email me and say, I've been contacted by X. Do you think it's worthwhile? And for the most part, actually, he's got a good radar on this, so they are worthwhile. But no, I'm frequently left to my own devices. Now, seven slots, they're not equal lengths. Five are what we term full-length reviews, which will be in excess of 2,000 words. Um, and then there are two short forms. Um, so they are around 1,000 words, and we generally use them for smaller products where you simply don't need to spend 2,000 words on them. And it just allows us to cover a, a, a meaningful extra quantity of products a year. Um, one of the changes um, that we have made in recent years, as I say, it's not just me doing the reviews these days. So um, sometimes uh, the AV lot moonlight in uh, in the same way that every <laughs> once in a great while I do do AV things. Um, yeah. There are products which meaningfully count as having a, an interest to both parties. So uh, Martin in particular is perfectly proficient at reviewing yeah. stereo products. And it, and it should be pointed out as well that we are enthusiasts. So we don't just, you know, I review TVs, but that doesn't mean that I just look at TVs and right. Martin looks at AV, but the, you know, we're enthusiasts of the whole thing. I mean, Hi-Fi has been a part of my life for 40 odd years as well. So as mm -hmm. well as AV. So yeah, it's, we all have uh, our own competencies and so on. It just so happens that we tend to focus on certain areas. So we're not all overlapping and doing no. the same things basically. Um, but yeah. And, and then um, people like Simon Lucas, uh, tremendously talented individual uh, will uh, cover for a number of items and do so very proficiently. So the long and the short of it is that with good luck and a following wind, we normally make it to a whisker over a hundred products a year, uh, which sounds like a lot, but I'm afraid it really isn't. We will make the conscious decision not to look at at least one thing that will annoy every single person listening to this podcast. And that's an unavoidable nature of trying to do best fit. Um, so I'm going to let you know in advance, that's how it works. That's how it's worked from the beginning. Uh, and it's going to, it's how it's going to continue to work. Uh, not least because even, um, significantly increasing the number of slots that were available to me, there's, there's limits to capacity and what fits in my house. So, you know, there's, we, we, yeah. it, there's not an open-ended scope to increase capacity that much further than where we are now. Um, so that's. Uh, the what we what we will be doing now the spread of those I, over the course of the year with back of an envelope calculations I try to cover a meaningfully equal quantity of major categories now in this day and age where source ends and amplifier begins and so on and so forth is much more complicated yeah. than it used yeah. to be but the long and the short of it is we cover the constituent parts of systems at multiple price points now this multiple price point bit is important because it goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, the middle price points being a bit more sort of thinned out because their reason to exist is a, is in a bit of existential crisis. You're going to see, as I, and I said this earlier, didn't I? You're going to see reviews where 
months where you, m many products cost not a lot of money and then there'll be something that costs a, an awful lot of money and with the best one in the world some of it's going to feel unaffordable and we're not doing this to rub it in your face uh, i mean i'm not i'm not here to to commit class warfare through audio review um it's just the nature of covering interesting things, covering technological developments, it, and covering important products. And, and and the thing is, Ed, and and, and I, of course, the internet democratizes everything for everybody. You know, everybody has a voice online, and so on. And I would never take that away from people. And AV forums is a great place for uh, coming in, chatting, like-minded people, and so on. But you you do have um, areas of the market where um, the product's not for you. No. You know, I, I, there's no way on earth that I could ever afford a Ferrari TDF, F12 TV. Will I watch a review on one? If it's a, an entertaining reviewer, I'll sit and I'll watch that and I'll I'll drool over it and I'll look at the not too sexy and I'll love the sound of the engine and so on. But I realise that that's out of my price league. That is something that I will aspire to one day if I ever have a lottery when I may go and get myself a, an F12 TVF Ferrari. And I guess it's the same with, with audio and video. There are systems out there that I absolutely drool over and we are very very lucky because we mm. get to play with these sometimes but yeah. i'm i'm no fool at the end of the day i know that uh, and i ask this every time i review something if i could afford this would i have it is it you know it, it is it is it a case of you know where is the value and and so on we all do it we all say it ourselves if it was my money would and and that's why you do get conversations that are tend to be on the negative side because it's like, well, a recent one that I'll pick up on Ed is the Bowers and Wilkins um, 805 signature. Yeah. £10,000 a pair. Now, the, the D4, the non-SIG version, is £6,500. Um, so there is a, an, an uptick in price because it's a signature, but then you're getting an absolutely beautiful finish. You're getting new components in there as well. Um, there, there are some genuine engineering uh, tweaks that are done to that speaker. Yes. But the thing that everybody seemed to fall out about was the price of the stands. Now, things haven't moved on that much in 40 years. You always, when you budget for something, is that if if you're going to buy a component, always leave 10 to 15% of your budget for any of the accessories that are required for that component that you're buying. Mm. It's the simple math of buying AV or hi-fi equipment. Don't forget, like you're buying a TV, don't forget that if it's a high-end TV, you better get it calibrated and, and set up properly. So leave your 10 or 15% aside for things like that or a TV rack or whatever. And if it's a speaker, you're going to have to sit it on something if it's a, if it's a, a stand mount speaker, namely a stand. If yeah. it's a £10,000 pair of speakers and the stand is 1200 quid, there's nothing unusual in that because if you've got 10 grand to go and spend on speakers, you've got the 12 grand to spend on the stands to set the speakers yes. on. Now, I do realise that people out there will be, well, that is a ridiculous amount of money to be spending on a speaker, especially at this time of the, where, you know, there is cost of living crisis and all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not being crass in any way, but there is a market for this. There mm. is people who are interested. I'm, I might not have the money for those speakers, but I am interested to find out what Ed thinks are they actually worth that? What are the the advantages of having something at that level of the market compared to the bottom end of the market? And do I feel better about my price range and products that I have? Because what you're talking about there is very little in terms of performance for a huge chunk of change. If you can afford it, great. But is it really, you know, your diminishing returns? Are you going to deal in diminishing returns? That then becomes your choice at the end of the day. But it is funny 
not funny, but interesting to see the different demographics, um, even amongst like-minded people. And I see it in every hobby that I've had or anything mm. I've been enthusiastic with. Car clubs are the same, um, you know, car brands and all that kind of thing, the rivalry that goes on. The, even within the same kind of brands, you get the, oh, that's just financed from the guys that actually go and buy their stuff. And and it's the same, you get it everywhere. And, but it is interesting to see that conversation. And you're right, Ed, you know, we... We have to be uh, thoughtful in terms of what it is that we're covering. We have to cover stuff that people are interested in. And I'll bring it straight back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. It's for you guys out there. Um, that's the whole reason we do this is, is so we tell you about the interesting things. We're lucky enough to play with these things, to have them in our homes, to review them. to, And, and hopefully you then get a feel for that product because of what we do with that. And then that gives you a bit of... Um, knowledge, a bit of experience with it, you, you can then go and add that to a short list and do your homework and then decide if that product's for you or not and, and if it's worth what it's worth uh, to you. Um, but yeah, it's and I guess it's part of the community as well, Ed, that when we, we come across subjects like this, it, it opens our eyes because sometimes I think we get guilty as well of, 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 of maybe looking at the value for money side and actually maybe maybe we don't look at it and 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 maybe we look at a re reviewer size it never ceases to amaze me that there are very very different priorities placed in people's minds as to what constitutes value um i mean i ascribe value to aesthetics and finish i don't want the thing i use every day to feel shoddy and you know unattractive uh that applies to almost everything i use um and it's not just a hi-fi thing um, I, I am particular, let's leave it at that, about a number of items that I use and buy in my life. And for some people, it just doesn't matter. If it does the job, it could look utterly, you know, utterly indifferent mm -hmm. and be, you know, almost disposable in the manner in which it's, it's constructed. And so, you know, we have to aim off for that. Um, but if you ascribe certain values to things, it doesn't mean that those are universally applicable. And I apply that to my own understanding of things, but yeah. it, equally when you go finger to keyboard, it doesn't necessarily, you know, make your opinions known. It's not necessarily going to shape editorial policy because then, it, you know, it's not necessarily a view held by a significant number of other people. So, you know, that, that's just something that all needs to be, to be borne yeah. in mind. So we finished complaining and we'll do something more positive. Now, Phil mentioned this earlier on. Video is going to play a larger role in hi-fi reviews as well. Now, I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver on this. So my early conversations with Phil are that we'll be selecting one of my monthly review products to have some meaningful video content created and described to it. Um, a lot of this... Uh, I make no secret about this. Phil can interrupt. We can we can edit it out. Um, I think a number of it's going to be we're going to see how certain experiments go uh, mm. as to whether it's shot here or whether I just do the righty listening bit and then it travels up to be looked at by an expert. But um, essentially, uh, I've been supplied a camera. Um, I'm assured that even someone as remedial as myself can get decent re results out of it. So I thought. I mean, my perception is that there's as much worth in showing you the equipment in the context in which it's being used. So wherever possible, I'm going to try and do the video yeah. sections for the products here. There will be other times where it's meaningful and useful for them to go up to Phil and have even more done in a, you know, Phil has vastly more experience than me than this. 
so we're going to see what happens um when we do the first couple of these and we'll work it out from there but yes um i've actually i've got a lot of confidence in you because um you know it's i i think and you know Users and and viewers and and listeners, give us your thoughts on this. But I think uh, seeing it in the the, the surroundings that it's being tested in, um, taking taking us through how the, the product works in certain ways and how you interact with the product, what's the knob feel like, that type of yeah. thing. You know, all this can be picked up on a camera, and 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 it's it, it's a it's something that that it's very difficult to get demonstrations now of some of this product unless yes. you've got specialist dealers at different ends of the country. So it gives you another perspective uh, on top of the written word and Ed's written word is always excellent. Um, but it gives you that that other aspect to it where you can actually see it, not feel it, but you can see it and you can see Ed interacting with it and so on. So yeah. I think- I think in a contextual useful. sense, it's hugely yeah. important. Yeah. So yeah, I think so. That's the plan. Um, you know, put pressure again, on your recording equipment, though. If people are going to be judging the audio based on a video of you recording. Oh no, people do the apparently audio, judge the this. quality of systems based on YouTube videos. I need to be clear on this. I will. I, if if it needs me to do everything with not a, a second of background music, if nothing else, it should make our copyright issues significantly easier. <laughs> um, then I'm I'm willing. I'm perfectly willing to do that because no, I don't want you judging how something sounds on the strength of an Osmo mic. No, uh, that is not. That's you not should, why we're doing do this. Yeah. Um, so yes, um, and then finally for editorial goals. Um, I have an idea in my head, which I'll be presenting to Phil about the next 11 podcasts. But before I do, I'd genuinely like some suggestions. If there's stuff that I've been wishing on about in reviews and you're going, well, why do you assume that I know this? Um, which is an easy it, trap for us. It is a very play. easy trap because I, I, you know, I live in a bubble. I work from home. I see other people only with the greatest of reluctance. So I, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone about this. So no, if I'm talking about something, and you're going, Ed, what the bloody hell are you on about? Make, make yourself. If you want to make yourself known anonymously, you can make yourself known anonymously. There are no stupid questions, but I am aware that the internet judges. So if you are unsure about something and I, you know, I, th I think that I suspect that there's bits and bobs that I cover in reviews where I can probably I benefit from a drill down. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that. Um, as I say, there's a couple of items that I, a couple of, um, of com um, subjects, that's the word I'm groping for, um, that I want to do over the coming year, but not everything is locked down so tightly that there isn't scope to talk about a few other things. Yeah, so get, absolutely. get your thoughts known about what you'd like covered in this more relaxed setting. Now, the other part about that is um, there are two subjects that I want to talk about in the coming year, and I'm not going to tell you what they are, where I'm hoping to do so with the benefit of someone who really knows what they're talking about. I want to get an actual industry specialist in. Um, I'll need to make sure that they're content to, you know, try and be as unlitigious as possible and not just spend the time abusing their, their key rivals. But, you know, we, I'm sure we can get it to work. Um, so, yeah, if you've got a subject matter uh, and you think, well, I don't know if Ed can explain it because he's an idiot, I probably can get my hands on someone who's not an idiot. Yeah, so absolutely. that's worth bearing in mind as well. And the pre-recorded nature of these things, it was never that easy to get people to turn up for eight o'clock on a Monday, uh, sorry, seven o'clock on a Monday evening. We no, can and, do these whenever suits. Yeah, and, and I think people realise as well that if you are in a, in a particular role where you are a brand spokesperson, 
live is never no uh, live an comes ideal. with enormous risks yeah uh, um, i have to say hats off to the various people over the years we did like who, who yeah, put their head above the parapet <laughs> but in the hi-fi sense it's much much easier to persuade them to come on for a pre-recorded session but if you've got subjects that you want to talk about i i know I, i'm not going to promise that i can get the best every time but i can always always most likely ask someone who yeah. who knows their onions to come along and give me a hand so that's the other benefit of this uh, and if you've got subjects that you want to talk about make your thoughts known so yeah, that's absolutely. the other that's that. the other aspiration for this yeah because at the end of the day um you know we're all like many people we're all part of this community um we're all here to help each other out um so if we can help you out in any way or if you want us covering subjects like ed says or or even if you come up with ideas where you think, guys, would it actually be worthwhile doing X, Y, Z? We're open to it. We'll listen to you. Um, we'll see if we can make things like that happen. But that's about it for this week. So, Ed, we just need your playlist of vinyl and albums of the month. Yeah, it's of the month again. I mean, I said that all the way through the live thing anyway. So <laughs> I've, I'd almost unlearned it, and it's now time to relearn it again. Um, <clears throat> uh, January is always an incredibly quiet time for new music. Um, for obvious reasons. Um, so I actually had a look back through playback software as to what I'd listened to the most. And the answer surprised me because I didn't realize it was this. But there is a Danish blues trio. And you, uh, some of you are already rolling your eyes at this one because that's always a series of <laughs> words that hang, to get, hang together perfectly. Uh, they're called Vespo, uh, the Vespo trio even. Um, and uh, they released an album in January called Out of Place. And the cover is one, it's, in some ways it's worth it for the cover alone. Um, and you might argue it's a bit sort of audiophile and a bit twee, but do you know what? They're nice tunes performed by people that know what they're doing. And I've listened to that album in January more than any other new release. So by default, it's the album of the month. And I promise you things will get a bit more exciting um, as more meaningful music comes out over the course of the year. Um, to cement January being quiet, the vinyl of the month didn't come out in January at all. It actually came out in November and I didn't notice. Um, Back in 2007, the Young Knives, who are still going-ish, uh, they released an album a couple of years ago, released their second album called Superabundance. Um, it's my favourite Young Knives album. It's got some absolutely brilliant tunes on it. Uh, they were lyrically brilliant and very, very musically cohesive, very, very entertaining band. This album never had a vinyl release back in 2007. And even if it did, they'd have printed, pressed like 1,500 copies and they'd be worth umpty million pounds. The good news is, in November last year, it did get a vinyl release. And not only that, it got a vinyl release as super, super abundance. So as well as having super abundance pressed on LP, there's a complete second record of B-sides, bonus tracks, outtakes, and loads of useful and genuinely entertaining stuff to listen to. Um, the unfortunate thing um, is that the Bandcamp link that I've supplied for this um, suggests that there are five copies left. <laughs> so get a shift on. Um, there are some other copies out with retailers as well, but I don't know how many more of them there are. But if you enjoyed this album the first time round, it's well worth having. If you've never listened to this album before, listen to this album. It's brilliant. Um, it's you know it, it's well worth picking up if that's your sort of oeuvre um right playlist uh title 
uh, they've actually been putting more effort into playlists recently. They had a, pe a period where it was just dire. I, I'm assuming it was AI generated because it was just indifferent mm. and, and yeah. utterly uninteresting. But when they've got to be really, really good. Yeah, and they had a prop. Well, they were paying people to do it and people were doing an excellent job. Yeah. Um, uh, this time around, they've got Electronic Classics. It's on Tidal. Um, it does exactly what it says on the tin all the way through mid 80s through to about turn of the century. There's some quality tunes on there. Well worth if you if the idea of a Danish blues trio depresses you to the point of insomnia, <laughs> that should wake you up a bit. And your regular reminder, you do not need to be a Tidal subscriber. We can drop the link to the playlist into the comments thread and you can use a site called SoundIz, sound with double I-Z on the end of it, to port it across to the streaming service that you do use. So you can listen to it on any of the major UK streaming services. And that applies to all the recommendations that we're going to make uh, this year and indeed have ever made so right. uh, so i'm going to put head on the spot here uh, as well now so because we're back to doing these monthly ed and, and it's hi-fi specific yeah one thing I, I think a lot of people learn from uh through your reviews uh, and what you do is is actually uh, find good music that you're actually using within the reviews so perhaps we should maybe add to this final album and playlist of the month some either classic album or classic demo uh, material that you also suggest on a monthly basis yes. for people to go and test their equipment. I will. I will get something together for February. Um, if we can agree, you mean March? Uh, March. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I mean, it's twenty twenty four, isn't it? I mean, I'm still writing yeah. twenty three on things. Yeah. Um, if we can agree on the best place where the link can wind up, I already do links when I mention other reviews. Um, so it takes you to the product that's mentioned and so on and so forth. And then the the, the magic elves, that um, by which I mean Andy, who yeah. uh, deals with, turns my reviews into English once I've uploaded them. Um, things like uh, references to uh, films and TV shows, where there's a relevant link to those, those appear on the site as well. Now, obviously for music, we don't do music reviews, um, but it would be possible in theory anyway, to drop an external and an, an exiting link to a streaming service of many yep. of the materials that we do um it's a bit of extra faff on my part but not an enormous amount if you can we might have to have a poll as to which streaming service they end up going to and i'm pretty sure it'll be spotify but i will check um it's possible to put the links in so you can go and find those things as well if that is of interest going forward. yeah I, I so do you so. have like reference tracks you know like go to I do. Um, there's a track by the Cinematic Orchestra called Every Day, and I was trying to idly tally it up. Since 2002, I believe I've heard it over 4,000 times. Um, and it features in an enormous number of things. And I, it, it features in so many things that it doesn't actually get mentioned very often. But it's there all the time. I've heard it on more equipment than I can even comprehend off the top of my head. And there are a, a host of other things as well where that features. Wherever possible, though, I just tend to, it tends to be as much where my mood takes me. How am I feeling? Oh, well, it's time to use this because I'm very familiar with it, but it either is going to cheer me up or cement my state of, you know, teenage angst or whatever. So, no, I, I try and keep, I, I, I don't just have the 10 magic tracks, but there is, there's a, a core set of things. And then, uh, every Friday, I sit down with Cobuzz because Cobuzz has the best new music 
uh, system. So every Friday when all new albums come out, Friday morning is spent pottering through new releases, no exceptions. It doesn't matter if I'm reviewing something at the time, it's used to listen to those new new releases. Um, and that is one of the perks of my job and I'm not going to give up on it. So that's, you know, that's where a lot of it comes from. Yeah. Um, so, so we will look at, yeah, we'll look at doing more of that because I, I think it's, and we're going to do, we'll do the same for TV reviews and so on. If you ever wonder what is it that you actually use to test it? Because to answer your question, Ian, yes, I sit and watch the same things over and over and over. But the advantage there is that some of the things that I watch over and over and over, I've actually sat with the creator. So I've sat with the colorist in the grading suite and been shown the scene and told why it looks a certain way. Yeah. And then being able to watch that back on equipment, knowing how it should look and how it should look a certain way. And Ed, Ed will be the same. Ed, you know, you'll have your tracks. That you oh, there's, yeah, as I say, there's stuff that crops up, but I don't, I, if you like, because those are such givens, it's more a case of bringing something different in. in yeah, a yeah review. absolutely. absolutely. Um, but no, it, in terms of dropping a link in, that's not, not, yeah. manifestly materially difficult to do so we'll well, go from there. hopefully you've enjoyed this hi-fi podcast it is the first one give us your feedback let us know what you like let us know what you want us to add um any comments on what we've discussed going uh forward this evening so we've been talking about last year this year ed's predictions do you think ed's right or do you think he's mm -hmm. going to end up with egg in his face let us know uh, in the comments you can comment below if you're watching on youtube don't forget to subscribe to AV Forum's podcast channel. Um, of course, you can also uh, listen to the audio-only version. I know that that's uh, where the vast majority you do because you're walking the dog or you're walking to work or whatever. And uh, we have been a little bit over time this week, but it is the first one. Uh, but generally, these will be between 30 and 45 minutes. Um, nice, easy, compact. Um, and hopefully, you'll come away knowing something that you didn't know when you started. That might not be hi-fi related, but you'll come away... Knowing something you didn't know when you started. So there you go. Um, so our next episode is the TV display and calibration edition. Um, we're busy planning that at the minute, but we uh, we should have Jules uh, on there as well as Ian. Um, that's Monday, the 12th of February. Um, we might even have a few other guests. Uh, it all depends because um, the guys are out at ISC at the moment while we're recording this podcast in uh, Barcelona. Um, which will be the subject of the following podcast, which will be the Home AV edition on Monday the 19th of February. Uh, so if you're interested in integrated home systems, that kind of thing, it's the big show. It's been happening in Barcelona. What's new? Um, what are the trends going to be for the year ahead? And so on. You, you're kind of getting the pattern here. At the beginning of the year, we're going to talk about the trends and so on. So you can apply that to every podcast that's coming up at the beginning uh, of the year. Uh, so that's Monday the 19th for the Home AV and then uh, two movies editions on the 26th of Feb. Uh, all of these will be available from 7 p.m. Uh, on that Monday on the AV Forums podcast channel. Uh, that's the AV Forums podcast channel on YouTube. So go and subscribe to that if you want them first. They'll then appear on your podcast provider in the audio-only version. Uh, but every Monday this year, you will be able to have a podcast from us uh, and you'll be able to take part in what is one of the largest AV and hi-fi communities on the web. Uh, so yeah, get involved, get uh, get questions in and, and your feedback and everything else. Um, so if you have enjoyed this, like I say, subscribe, do all the social media stuff. If you want to buy us a coffee, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash AV forums. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for joining us this time. I'm Phil Hinton. We'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye.